right, good evening everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. We're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. We'll be in chapter 12 again tonight. If you have a book, you can follow with us uh, and uh, you can make your way there. Uh, just so you know, all of our Bible studies are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we just want to say a shout out and thank you to all of those who have uh, partnered with us and for their tithes and their offerings. And you can, uh, for more information about that, you can find that on our website at lighthousedisciples.org. Go to our give page and you can give online or you can just uh, see our contact information. It's on the footer of every page and you can just uh, mail us your tithes and your offerings that way. Okay. Uh, for those of you who are in the United States, we are 5123. And all your tax, uh, all your uh, donations are uh, tax deductible. Anyway, I um, uh, thought there was more I was going to say, but anyway, so we're in the Believer's Authority again tonight. We're just going to pretty much jump right into it once we get uh, uh, all hooked up here. But uh, uh, we're in chapter 12, like I said. Chapter 12 is entitled uh, Be a Witness. And then we're also uh, in the, under the section heading, uh, a God loves people. Okay, and so we're talking about being a witness. You know, if, if, I, if I kind of recap uh, from uh, last week and what we've been talking about, prior chapter we were talking about how, you know, God has called us to be a witness. It says in Acts one eight, you should be a, a, a spirit, you should receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be a witness. You know, and we've talked in previous chapters in this study. At the beginning of the study, we were really just defining what authority is, and the title of this book is Believers' Authority. As believers, we have authority, just like a cop has authority, but a, a, a cop doesn't have authority over every city, over every county, over every country. There are boundaries. There is jurisdiction. And so we're talking about authority. When we're talking about believers' authority, and what kind of authority do we have? What? How do we use... I mean, not, it's one thing to, how to use that authority, and that's a major uh, part of this book. And another major part is knowing that we even have authority to begin with. But what authority do we have? What? In other, in other words, like a cop has jurisdiction... What's our jurisdiction? What's our boundaries? And what the point that we're bringing out in this chapter is that we have authority to be a witness. And we have authority to be a witness. How do we be a witness? You know, when, when, in the court systems, I don't know how it may work in your country, because I know we have people listening from different countries. But here in America, and I, know, I understand even the justice system here in America has just gone senile. But at the same point in time... Uh, you know, the way it's supposed to work, when a witness goes on the witness stand, a witness cannot give testimony what they didn't see. But a, a witness just gives testimony, bears witness of what they <coughs> did see, or what they do know. Okay, that's not, uh, not just what they see, but sometimes just what they know. Okay, and there, there, there needs to be uh, concrete evidence for that. And... You know, the Bible says, Jesus said in John chapter 8, You shall be my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You can't be a witness if you don't even know the truth. In other words, you'll be limited in your witness if you don't even know the truth. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God. And we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. One of the main aspects of the power of God that we are being a witness of is the gospel. You know, I have, it's in Corinthians, I want to say at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, but Paul went on how Jesus was crucified and buried according to the scriptures, and he rose again uh, according to the scriptures. The scripture, and he talks about this even in, in Romans chapter 3 and other scriptures, that the gospel, the scriptures, the law, bears witness to the righteousness that we have in Christ. And there's a witness, and we can witness this, and we can witness this not only in our words, but also in our lives. And we have authority to heal the sick. We have, a, we have authority to raise the dead. And if you start healing the sick, raising the dead, changing lives by the power of the gospel, that is going to be a witness. And one of the things that starts every revival, the, <coughs> excuse me, 
one of the things that people draw people to Christ, among many other things, is, is that witness. And we have authority to be a witness. And in this section we're going to be reading, God loves people. Jesus said it this way. He said it twice. And he actually said it more than once. But uh, he said, By this you should, man shall know that you're my disciples, now you love one another. He also said, and, and, and he actually prayed in John 17, as, as, just before he goes to the cross, he prayed, Lord, I pray that they, the disciples, would be one as you and I are one. You and I, Jesus is praying to his Father. Lord, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. So that the world would know that you sent me. And you know, one of our greatest evangelism, one of our greatest witness to the world is how we love one another. We love God first, we love the church second, and we love the world third. It's in that order. We, and, and we have a relationship with God first, and tend to one another, and then to the world. And the, I, can, I mean, I can dissect that even further. I mean, we have a, obviously a, a responsibility to our families, and that that is second. And even the family, I can break that down. It's to, to our spouse first, our kids second, you know, and it goes on. But it starts with this relationship. But before we reach the world, we have to know how we treat one another. I just taught on this a few few weeks ago, Sunday morning, that there's twice as many scriptures in the New Testament how we are supposed to love God before we even love one another. And there's twice as many scriptures how we are to love one another in the church than we are to love the those in the world. We're supposed to love all three. We're supposed to love everybody, even our enemies. But, you know, so many, so many times we want to reach the world. And we want to reach the world. There's a lot of scripture about reaching the world. But one of the ways that we reach the world is by how we treat one another. How we love our Father. And how we are loyal in, in, in all those things. And so, you're... One of the best ways that you can reach other people is by your witness. And one of the best ways you can witness is by your love of one another. In this section, we're going to be talking about how God loves people. And, and, and how it connects with the, the title of this chapter, Be a Witness and Believe His Authority. So hopefully that makes sense. I don't know if Sherry has some things to share before we get into it. but You know... Um you have you don't have to uh, be worried or, or fearful on if you're witnessing right if if you're if you're doing it right if you're messing up whatever you just be yourself and you share uh, about Jesus about what God's done for you you know the truth of the gospel you know it can look in, in a lot of different ways. We, one of the, the probably most famous uh, examples of, of being a witness is in Acts 2 when uh, the, the church, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church and people were accusing the church of, of being drunk and Peter stood up and Peter who was known for his big mouth, for putting his foot in his mouth and messing up and just being a, a nut at times and and you know in one sense in, in one way he was speaking the truth when uh, Jesus said you know who do you say I am and, and he was led by the spirit to answer well you are the Christ uh, and then in the next breath he walked in his flesh and Jesus had to had to rebuke him and tell him you know Satan get behind me but in this uh, chapter 2 of Acts, Peter steps up and instead of denying Christ like he did in the past and being ashamed and different things, he stood up and he, he just, he took a stand. He said, this is what happened. This is Jesus. This is the truth. This is the gospel. And he shared and uh, God gave him boldness in that moment, you know, and uh, another example is Philip just traveling, going his way, and he meets someone who has a question about the scriptures, and he leads the Ethiopian uh, to the Lord. You know, 
those are just two examples in, in the Bible. It can look so many different ways. There's a famous quote about preach the gospel at all times and when uh, needed, use words. Part of me says amen and part of me says you need both. You need to be a witness and example and in your words. Don't just walk the walk without the talk and don't talk the talk without the walk. That's what uh, is a, as a witness to people and loving one another is the greatest witness of all and that, that leads to open doors. Awesome. Well, let's just jump on into it. God loves people. I pray. I spend a lot of time just fellowshipping and communing with the Lord. The vast majority of my prayer life is worshiping God, thanking the Lord, and asking Him for wisdom and instruction. As far as my ministry to others, I ask God to help me speak His word with clarity and boldness. I pray that He would give me revelation knowledge and better ways of communicating it to others. However, I don't spend any time asking God to move and save people. I don't pray, oh Lord, please touch their hearts and cause them to be born again. That's because I know that God loves them more than I do. I'm convinced that he wants to touch their lives and see them born again. I don't plead with him saying, please love these people and move in their lives. Since God is love, he's led me to do everything I can, including broadcasting daily programs on television and radio around the world, giving away lots of free materials at my website, translating my books into multiple languages, and starting new branches of Karis Bible College all the time to share the truth of God's word with as many people as possible. The Lord knows that as people receive the truth into their heart, it will make them free. Since I know that God already loves people and wants to minister to them, I don't spend any time pleading with him to love, touch, and move in these people's lives. I'm aware that what I'm sharing is very different from the way many folks pray, yet most people aren't getting very good results from their prayer life. If that's you, maybe you ought to try something different. What I'm telling you about works. In my teaching A Better Way to Pray, I cover this topic of prayer much more comprehensively. If you'd like the results of your prayer life to improve, I strongly encourage you to check it out. Okay, uh, you know, a lot of this piggybacks on last week, and last week I remember we had a very uh, powerful time talking about, uh, you know, a lot of people think, you know, spend, well, spend, a lot of Christians will spend a lot of time praying so so and so to get saved and so and so, uh, you know, to to be born again, whatnot, and one thing we brought out of Andrew's teaching last week is that that's not scriptural in, in a sense. You know, I believe prayer is involved in, in, in orchestrating and creating an environment for people to receive salvation, receive Christ. But it's only by, people can only receive Christ if they hear the gospel. And unless the seed is planted in their hearts, they can't be born again. They have to believe it, they have to receive it. But, you know, just like you can't have a crop without a seed, you can't be born again without the seed of God's Word. And you have to hear the Gospel, believe the Gospel, and be saved. It doesn't happen through osmosis. It doesn't, you know, uh, it happens through people hearing the Gospel, people hearing the Word. Faith comes by hearing the Word. It doesn't come by just the answer to prayer. It comes by hearing the Word. It only comes one way. Are we saying that it's not powerful to pray? It's not right, wrong, it's wrong to pray? No, it's, it's not wrong to pray. It, it is powerful to pray. But if you're only praying for people to get saved and the gospel is not being preached to them, then it's not going to work. That's not how it's done in Scripture. That's not how we, we are told to do it. Okay? Now, you know, we don't see... Paul having any prayer meetings for people to get saved and the churches, areas where he planted churches like Ephesus, Thessalonica, Philippi, etc. You know, he just, he preached the gospel. He asked you to, he asked for us to pray for him so that he preached the gospel with clarity and with boldness. The same way Andrew is, is, is saying. 
Jesus said, Jesus said that the harvest is ripe, but pray to the Lord, pray for laborers. We're not supposed to pray for laborers. And we're supposed to pray that we would be a laborer. Okay? If you're going to pray that God will send labor, but you're not willing to be a laborer, you know, uh, again, I have a, I somewhat have an issue with that. You know, why are you not wanting to be a laborer yourself? Why don't you pray for yourself to have clarity and boldness to preach the gospel and teach the gospel? In your circle, maybe you're not going to be the next Billy Graham or whatnot, but you can lead your, your in your circle of influence, God can use you to, to, to win people to Christ. And in, in this section, I like I appreciate what Andrew says here. Since, since I, I know that God already loves people, and wants to minister to them. I don't spend my time pleading with him to to please love, touch, and move in their lot people's lives. Why does he preach? Because he knows he's already doing that. God is already uh, touching their lives and different things. He's praying for laborers. He's praying for someone to come across their path to preach and minister the gospel. He's praying for himself to have clarity and and, and, and simplicity. And when he preaches and when he talks and when he ministers, he's praying for himself to, and others to to minister the gospel. That's why we're so prayers involved, but we're not praying for them to get to get saved without hearing the gospel. We're praying that they that someone would preach the gospel to them so that they can receive. You know, uh, I mean, you can you can. It's like prayer praying without hearing the gospel is like watering your grass without any seed. <laughs> Okay? The only thing that's going to grow if you water the dirt without seed is possibly some weeds. Okay? Uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't water your crop without planting the seed. That's foolishness. Okay? You, do you water your crops? Yes. But you've got to plant the seed. Okay? The crop is not going to grow without the seed. People are not going to be saved without hearing the gospel. Okay? Do we pray? Who who we pray for? I pray for the farmer. <laughs> I pray for the farmer to, to be able to plant that crop with clarity and with accuracy, and and that uh, he <coughs> he knows how to to properly farm and garden his crop with the right amount of water and sunshine and different things that that crop needs. Okay, and so uh, I'm praying for the farmer. I'm praying for uh, the laborers to be able to. Harvest that crop. You can have a great crop. You can have a humongous crop. But if you don't, if you don't harvest that crop when it's time to harvest it, it it's not going to do much good if it's still on the beanstalk and not in my mouth. Okay, it, 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 or in the store, so we on the marketplace, so we can purchase it. You know, uh, I think Sherry shared a story before. I don't know if it was last week, but I had a coworker that I used to work with at a, a job I had. And it was a Christian uh, uh, organization, and, but the, the person who was working was not uh, born again, uh, was not a Christian. And she, she uh, let us know that. She didn't let us know that in arrogance. She wasn't like, I'm a Christian, don't preach to me. She just let us know that she's not a Christian. And she was working in a Christian organization. This was a school. <coughs> and... Uh, she was working there and uh, worked there a number of, uh, I don't remember how long she worked there, but I think it was a few years. But anyway, uh, you know, we so we were, sometimes when we have a non-Christian, uh, some people are just being careful that they're not being pushy. Uh, and I, I appreciate that. I think, you know, the, the, I think the most distasteful part of the witnessing is when people aren't distasteful. But we were just trying to be polite and, and kind to her and not trying to push the gospel down her throat. The only problem is we never preached the gospel at all. <clears throat> and finally she met a guy and fell in love with him. He was actually a youth pastor. I don't necessarily recommend that a youth pastor date a non-Christian. But in this situation, uh, she got saved. She got born again. And they had a lovely marriage afterwards. And uh, they probably got married. They didn't get married right away. But uh, well, of course the time they got married when I... But my point is that she got the gospel preached to her. You know, and uh, by someone who loved her. Now, I don't necessarily recommend that route necessarily because it doesn't always end well. But in this case, it did end well. My point I'm trying to get to is that she, all those times that she was there, she wanted to be saved. She just didn't know how. 
and people were trying to be polite to her, but they were so polite to her that they never shared the gospel to, to her. She, she wouldn't have received it if it was just only shared. And so, some, you know, uh, so in one sense, shame on us for not preaching the gospel. But praise God, she did hear the gospel, and she is saved. And that's uh, the greatest thing that ever happened. You know, we can't refuse the gospel for people we're not preaching to. And we can't pray for people to, we can't pray for people to be saved if we're not willing to share the gospel with them. Or we're supposed to pray that someone would open their mouth and share the gospel with clarity and with boldness. I hope this makes sense. Anyone anyway, share? I just want to piggyback on, on a prayer. Andrew is not saying don't pray. We're not saying don't pray. We, all three of us, Andrew, Dave, and myself, are saying yes, pray. It's part of our Christian walk. It's part of our relationship with God is to pray. Andrew's point is how we pray sometimes is not correct. Uh, I'm just being blunt and using my, my words. And using Andrew's prayer life as an example uh, is actually a big deal because he sees results when he prays. He prays for the sick and they're healed. He's prayed for people to be raised from the dead, and they were. Uh, there's a lot of things that he's prayed for, and there is results. And he does have a big ministry, and I'm not... Please hear me. I'm not comparing his big ministry with results. That is Andrew's ministry. God has specifically chosen Andrew for that scope of ministry. Um, you know, and Andrew broke it down. You know, he's on TV. He's on, uh, he has a Bible college. Uh, he's on radio or he used to be on radio. I, I know he's changed some things. He's on the internet. Uh, he, he writes books. Uh, he has all this teaching out there. Um, He has a book called A Better Way to Pray that he, he did a, just a, a teeny uh, sentence on it at the end of this section. And I encourage you, if you're not seeing results in your prayer life and you want to know how to pray for the lost or how to pray for people, I encourage you to read it. And just so you know, and I will be very transparent about myself, when I first read Andrew's book, I didn't like it. I put it down. I just walked away, just disgruntled, probably offended. I don't know if that's too strong of a word. Uh, but I, I was just like, it's not fair. I'm praying. I'm not seeing results. Andrew's praying. He's, he's seeing results, and I don't like his book. I don't like his teaching on prayer. Thankfully, God helped me through this. And he brought me back to Andrew's book with an open mind and an open heart to receive. And I reread it, and I am seeing that there is a better way to pray. When we don't see results, let's not get offended. Let's ask the Lord, okay, I, I, I need to figure out what's not working and change so that I am seeing results and doing what you, God, have called me to do, and uh, it will set you free. You know, Andrew talks about in previous sections that we have did on, on other Wednesday nights about how people pray for God to move, for God to do something, when God has already done something. He sent His Son, His only beloved Son, to the cross for the whole world to save us all. He has provided salvation and healing and everything we need uh, to have an abundant life through Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, his burial and resurrection. He's done his part. Our part as believers, obviously, is to believe, but then we take what we believe, we take this gospel, this truth, 
and we witness, we, we share. Faith comes by hearing, hearing comes, and hearing comes by the word of God. If you read in Acts and all through the, the New Testament, they heard the word, they believed, they got saved. It doesn't say so-and-so prayed for this person and they got saved. Everyone who got saved in the New Testament heard the word. They also got water baptized. That's another teaching for another day. But they heard the word. How did I get saved? I heard the word and I believed. How did Dave get saved? He heard the word. He heard the gospel preached. He believed. He got saved. That's how all of us, if you think about it, that's how we get saved or got saved. And Jesus himself is telling all of us as believers, go, preach my gospel, share, share God's love, share the word of God. Um, anyways, I, I could get uh, going on this, but I, I uh, do want to get back to it. But I just encourage you. Uh, there, there is a better way to pray and this isn't to uh, get on people because I'm I was sharing my, from my own experience um, I, I wasn't seeing a, a lot of results in my prayer life and I was discouraged I was seeing family members not saved I was getting discouraged I was feeling like it doesn't work but it does work sometimes we just need to uh, what does the GPS say? Recalibrate. Sometimes as a computer, we need to, to uh, restart the computer, get back to the, the default settings, and and uh, trust God. I guess another way of saying it before we just go to the next section here is that <clears throat> prayer works. Prayer is powerful, but prayer is not a substitute for preaching the gospel. But, uh, it's, not a, it's not a substitute. Okay. To pray that we can preach the gospel as someone we preach and minister and share and be a witness of the gospel to somebody. It's not a substitute. Prayer is powerful. But uh, Cornelius prayed for someone to preach the gospel to him. The angel, God sent an angel and a vision to, to Peter to go to Cornelius to preach the gospel. Okay? And so we. Uh, in other words, just, uh, I'm not going to rehash all that again, but prayer is powerful. It's just not a substitute for ministering the gospel. People cannot get saved because you pray for them to be saved. They get saved because they hear the gospel. So pray that you or somebody can go and share the gospel with them. Okay, Even if it means someone gets translated like Peter from the Ethiopian eunuch to Samaria, whatever the case may be, Pray for laborers, okay? You know, just another example. You know, I, I used Andrew and his ministry as an example, and some of us can be a little intimidated because he does have a, 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 a large ministry, for lack of better term, uh, words. But think about this. My father-in-law, Dave's father, does not have a ministry that is writing books, uh, preaching from the pulpit, uh, teaching, you know, throughout the, the country and the world, Bible college or whatever. But my father-in-law has led more people to the Lord by his example at work, by his, and he's a very quiet guy, yet he does share the gospel. Uh, he has led people to the Lord by humbling himself and apologizing for uh, something that happened at work and having the other person that he went to to apologize for turn around and say, wow, what do you have? Because I want that. Other people, I've, I've never had anyone do that in my life, and yet you did. Why? And he would preach the gospel. One man at work just being who God created him to be and uh, he's retired now but what does he do he leads a Bible study for his neighbors uh, it's it's he, he has it him and my mother-in-law lead it in their driveway so that the their neighborhood everyone's welcome uh, no one's turned away 
and uh, they just share the gospel, pray for people, answer questions, and um, they're, they're touching people's lives. Okay, let's read the next section, and this has to do with, again, believers and authority in the context of being a witness. Paul accepts in prayer. When I first started in the ministry, I used to plead with God for an outpouring of His Holy Spirit. I started all-night prayer meetings where we just cried, wailed, and travailed, begging God to send revival. I had divided the city where I lived, Arlington, Texas, up into sections and was praying over each one of them, saying, Oh God, please touch these people. Oh Lord, we've got to have a move. I gave him all of the statistics in order to impress on him how important this was, telling him, You've got to do something. I was trying to manipulate, motivate, and twist God's arm. Finally, as I beat my fist against the wall for emphasis, these words came flying out of my mouth. God, if you love the people of Arlington, Texas, half as much as I do, we'd have revival. As soon as those words left my mouth, I immediately thought, something is wrong with this prayer. Here I am presenting to God that I love those people and want to see them minister to more than he does. My lightning fast mind figured out that I was making some serious mistakes. The truth is, much of the church is still doing this. They're begging, oh God, send revival. Oh Lord, if you wanted to, you could pour out your spirit on our country and things would change. That's not true. God moves on this earth through his people. Ephesians 3.20 He moves as we preach, teach, and act on his word. He moves through us as we obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Satan is the one behind some of these movements in the body of Christ today that are getting us into doing everything except preaching the gospel. Although it's important for Christians to exercise their civic duty and vote, it's a deception of the devil to put all of our faith, energy, effort, and hope into the political process. Political action has its place in a believer's life, but it's not the primary avenue through which the church should influence a nation. The political process is not the strength of the church. The gospel is. The founding fathers of the United States, many of whom were active Christians, said that democracy is totally is said that democracy is totally unsuited for anyone but a moral people. John Adams, our first vice president and second president, said that if we ever cease to be moral, democracy will destroy the nation this nation. That's literally what we see happening today. We're legalizing immorality, changing the Constitution, and ignoring the clear intent of our founding fathers. Okay, um, let me just comment on a couple of things. Just so you know, too, uh, I know I get a lot of comments and, uh, from once in a while and even got a comment now for people to, for me to contact them. Don't post your phone number uh, or different things on there. Okay, I will delete it. Um, if you want to contact us, you can contact us through our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. I don't use Messenger, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to call you, okay? And so um, don't, 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 don't even go there. You can contact us by contacting us through our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, okay? Now we're talking about, uh, you know, I, I love the first half of this uh, section that Sherry just read from Andrew's book. And where Andrew, he, he used to pastor in Arlington, Texas. And when he was there, he, you know, he did like, I've done this before, that's very similar to what he's describing in the cities or communities I used to live. And I, I, he was praying for revival in Arlington, Texas. And he was praying. He was, his heart was in the right place. The prayer was wrong. And he realized it after he said it. But in the middle of his prayer, he prayed to God he, and took, uh, to this effect. And he said, uh, let me just get to it. God, if you love the people of Arlington, Texas, as, as, half as much as I do, we'd have revival. <clears throat> and a lot of us have pleaded with God to, to save someone or bring revival or do this or that, do that. And we might say something to the effect of saying, Lord, if you love us or you love me half as much as I do. You know, there's just something wrong with that type of prayer. Okay? 
And uh, if you think you have to manipulate God, twist his arm, or if you have, in one sense, and I'm going to pick on Andrew because he picked on himself, and I'm going to pick on myself in this if you, uh, let me just pick on myself. If you pray like I prayed sometimes in the past, Lord, if you just love us or love this or do this half as much as I do, in other, in other words, you're, if you're like me and you've ever made a prayer, a prayer like that, which implies that, that you love people more than God does. Something is wrong with that. God loves the whole world that he died for the whole world. Okay? There is nobody on this planet. There's no pastor. There's no bishop. There's no prayer warrior. There's no nobody who loves people more than God does. And there's nobody... Who wants to see people saved more than God does. Okay? So why aren't people saved? Why aren't we seeing revival? That's where Andrew goes in the second half of this section. You know, here in America, some of it is because of politics. Some of it is because of the way our country has gone. And it's not, it's not you know, maybe revival is not coming to America or our, our different states or cities like we want. But revival is hitting some places in the world. Revival is going on in some areas of the world, and because they're letting it happen. And maybe maybe revival will or will not come to California. I believe it will. But at the same point in time, even if it doesn't, it doesn't mean revival can't happen in my life. doesn't mean revival can't happen in my family. doesn't mean revival can't happen in my community, where we are. And so, you know, a lot of times when people pray like that, they don't understand revival, first of all. They don't understand how it works. They understand what they want, but they don't understand how it works. And, and we need to preach the gospel. We need to, to, to pray for laborers. We need to have boldness. We need to, we need to start healing the sick, raising the dead, doing what God called us to do. We need to start doing the Great Commission. We need to start doing what the early church did, healing people, setting people free, casting out demons. We need to start doing what God told us to do. And revival will come. Revival will follow. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. You will heal the sick. You will cast out devils. You will speak in unknown tongues. <clears throat> I'm on many things. And so we need to do what God's called us to do. When Peter preached the gospel on Pentecost, yes, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And that's an awesome thing. And I'm not trying to water that down. But it was... By him preaching the gospel, that 3,000 3, people got saved. Okay? And as they were steadfast to, to the saints, people got saved daily. Yes, they did other things in the power of the Holy Spirit, which orchestrated some uh, uh, opportunities for the gospel to be preached. And people got saved. Okay? And so... Uh, you know, I understand how bad, even, even so much a challenge so was, Andrew said. I, I totally agree with how our the country's not going because God's judging. Our country's gone bad because people have gone bad. Okay, people have rejected God, as Andrew's saying here. But I also believe that, uh, you know, revival can start with me. Revival can start with you. And revival starts that way. And, it, it, you know, I'm reminded of the... Uh, the boy with all the starfish on the seashore. And he was starting to throw them in one by one. He saw all these starfish. And this elder gentleman uh, went up to the boy and said, You can't save them all, son. And so the boy, the way he responded, he just reached down, grabbed another starfish. He says, No, but I can save this one. And we can save one life at a time, one family at a time, one community at a time. And it starts with us. It starts with us preaching the gospel. It starts with us doing what God called us to do. And that's heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely we receive, freely give. That's how Jesus commissioned the twelve. That's how Jesus commissioned the seventy. And that's how Jesus has commissioned the church. We need to do what God called We have authority to be a witness. We have authority to be a witness to heal the sick. We have authority to be a witness to preach the gospel. Nowhere in the, the Great Commission were we told just just to pray. Prayer is powerful. 
Okay, the early church was steadfast to the apostles' doctrine, to to the breaking of bread, to prayer and fellowship. I got those out of order, <coughs> but but prayer was part of that. But they prayed for one another in the church. They prayed for ministers. They prayed for each other despite the persecution that they were enduring. And they prayed for boldness despite the persecution. That's what they prayed for. They, they were praying for themselves to be bold. They were praying for themselves to do what God called them to do. And people were being saved by the multitudes every day. If we will do what God calls us to do and preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, being a witness, God will do in our day, saving those by the thousands, those who are being saved every day in our midst. We have authority to do that. That is our commission. An officer cannot do what he's not commissioned to do. He can only have authority to do what he's been commissioned to do. We have authority to make disciples of all nations. We have authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. We have been commissioned to do that. And in the midst of all that, yes, we're praying. We're praying that we become, I don't care. Yes, our country has gone way south. But we have boldness to preach the gospel despite how wicked our country or your country or your government has been. We have boldness. The, the government in Rome, the government in the early church was wicked too. But they had bold, the, the government of the, of, the, of the synagogues, of the religious people, was very wicked. They crucified Jesus. At the same point in time, Paul and the apostles preached the gospel even in their wicked and perverse generation that they lived in. Let's pray for boldness. Let's preach the gospel. Yes, let's pray for one another. Let's pray for boldness. Let's pray for ministers. Let's pray for our pastors. Let's pray for our bishops. Let's pray for apostles. Let's pray for one another. Let's do this, okay, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? I just want to pray for who, whoever's listening. I pray that just like Romans 1 16 and to, to quote Paul, I pray that you are not, you and I, all of us are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. You know, it is the, the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And again, how are people going to believe unless they hear the gospel? And uh, I, I pray for all of us that... Uh, we, we get that in our hearts, in our lives, so that, that we can uh, do what God's called us to do, and which is to preach the gospel uh, This is a big deal, folks. I don't know if we understand the importance of it, uh, but, but we, we need to preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and read out the chapter, uh, The Strength of the Church. The real strength of the church is in preaching the gospel. As God's word changes the hearts of men and women, the political arena will reflect it. The reason so many laws promoting immorality are being proposed right now is the church hasn't been doing its job. We haven't been preaching the truth. We've lost the hearts of people, and those hearts are now using the political process to pass laws favoring their preferences towards sin. The church would do much more to change our nation by preaching the gospel and teaching God's word than by immersing ourselves completely into the political process or by locking ourselves in the prayer closet for hours on end, begging and pleading with God for a revival. The Lord told us to go out and preach the gospel. As people receive the truth into their hearts, the truth will set them free. That's where our strength lies. 
God told us to influence our nation by ministering his word because the number one power of the church is the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel, Romans 1.16. Instead of boldly sharing God's truth, many Christians have retreated to their prayer closets. They're afraid to say anything in front of people lest someone, somebody deem them politically incorrect. So they run to the prayer closet, begging God for revival and pleading with him to do what he's told us to do. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching the gospel to save them that believe. 1 Corinthians 1.21 You can't be born again without hearing the word of God. As believers today, let's properly emphasize his word. Let's boldly share the truth with everyone we can. Let's not use politics or ineffective prayer to shirk our responsibility to preach the gospel, but let's be faithful, consistent, and powerful witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it seems like I'm talking a lot about the church these days. I talked a lot about it last Sunday. I'll be talking about it some more this coming uh, next two weeks as I'm talking about the four prayers of Paul and my Sunday morning messages. But I, I want to reread a couple things here that uh, Andrew just said here. Uh, the Lord told us to go out and preach the gospel. As people receive the, this, the truth into their hearts, the truth will set them free. That's where our strength lies. God told us to influence our nation by ministering His Word because the number, the one power of the church is the proclamation and the demonstration of the gospel. Instead of, instead of boldly sharing God's truth, many Christians have retreated to their prayer closets. They're afraid to say something in front of people lest some, somebody deem them politically incorrect. So they run to their prayer closets, begging God for revival and pleading with Him to do what He has told them to do. Prayer is powerful. And yes, there's a place for the prayer closet, okay? But it's not a retreat. We are not retreating to the prayer closet. We are empowering ourselves to preach the gospel. Some people have spent more time praying than they do preaching or teaching or ministering the gospel, okay? I'm all for prayer, but it's not a substitute to preaching and being a witness of Jesus of the gospel, okay? If we if if you're pray, if you're praying more than you're speaking or preaching the gospel or demonstrating the gospel, then you need to be praying that you get boldness and clarity to preach the gospel. Okay, we're not all. I understand we're not all called to be pastors and evangelists or whatnot, but we are. Our job as pastors. Our job, no matter where you fit in the fivefold ministry, if you are an apostle, if you are a, a prophet, if you are an evangelist or a missionary, if you are a pastor or a teacher, your job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our job is to preach the gospel. That is our commission. That is the greatest thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to the faith, for the just, uh, for as it's written, the just shall live by his faith. I just quoted Romans 1, 16 and 17. The gospel is the power of God. And we've been empowered to preach the gospel, to be a witness. And I, I like how he concludes it, the chapter here. Don't use politics or prayer to, to shirk, shirk your, your responsibility to preach the gospel, but be faithful, consistent, and power, a powerful witness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we're talking about believers. <coughs> Excuse me. We're talking about believers' authority. And we don't just have believers' authority in the prayer closet. We have believers' authority to preach the gospel. We have believers' authority to pre preach Jesus. Silver and gold I have not, but what I do have, I preach Jesus to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. 
Okay, I don't care what kind of persecution comes on the earth. I don't care what kind of persecution may come in this country. I am preaching Jesus. I am preaching the gospel. In season and out of season. Why? That's what I've been commissioned to do. If I die from preaching the gospel, I go be with my Lord. <laughs> I don't lose, okay? But I can take others with me. I can take others with me. I'm not talking about taking with people dying with me. I'm talking about going to be with Jesus with me, okay? I might get there first. You might get there first. Uh, it's not a race. But at the same point in time, I'm here to preach the gospel. That's what we're do doing. That's what we're called to do. And our prayer life, our prayer closet, is to enhance us, enable us, to give us boldness. Jesus didn't do anything without spending time with the Father. And we need to spend time with the Father so we know where and when and how we are to preach the gospel of Christ. Man, you know, just a little quick uh, piggyback on on Dave and Andrew when they're talking about uh, Christians and politics. Please hear their heart. They are not saying as Christians we are not to vote, not to be in politics. That is not what they're saying. Christians have a responsibility, yes, to have a civic. Uh, responsibility and wherever they live to to be a, a part of that process God has called people to be godly politicians he has called people to be godly doctors and godly teachers and whatever job out there Andrew's heart is to have godly people in all areas and all arenas uh, in this world He's just saying that the most number one important thing is for us to preach the gospel. If you uh, go to his Bible college, he has a, a three-year program. The, the first two years are to be discipled in God's word, to learn how to go out with uh, the gospel and be discipled in that so that you can go out the third year I don't know how many tracks there are now because um, I know they've added to it since we've been there they have one on uh, on on uh, politics I forget what it what it's called that they, they have one for ministers they have one for media they have one for businessmen uh, they have one for worship they have Gosh, I, I've forgotten them all, but Andrew's heart is for people to hear the gospel, get discipled in it, and then to go share the gospel in whatever area, whatever arena God's called you to be. If you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're retired, if you have a career, you name it, Andrew's heart is we would all be Disciples, so that we can all go out and share the gospel in wherever we are. Uh, we had a gentleman, I forget how many years ago, he had come to our Bible study, him and his wife. But how he got saved was he was a trash man. He collected trash and went to the dump with trash and he was just walking over this mound of trash and his eye caught on a Christian track that preached the gospel and he was saved. Granted, that is a very uh, unusual way of God getting someone's attention. Uh, the the uh, And I... And I not sure personally how I feel about just handing someone a track and uh, not sharing from your own heart the gospel. I, I'm just being honest. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not putting it down, but I'm not necessarily uh, promoting it either. That's just me. So please, you know, hear my heart. I'm not getting on you if, if that's what's on your heart to do. But the thing is. We are to go share the gospel in whatever arena 
we are in or wherever that God's called us to do. So don't think that Andrew's putting you down if, if you feel led to go into politics and you're a Christian. We need godly politicians, so uh, just hear, hear his heart on that and our heart. That actually I wanted to be just a little side nugget, but I wanted to say is a lot of people don't want to be a Christian or don't want to preach the gospel because they think that as a Christian, you're not supposed to have any fun. You're supposed to have a boring, pitiful life for lack of better words. And I want to say that is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. God wants you to have a thriving, abundant life. And as a Christian, I have so much fun. God, having a relationship with God is not boring. He has a wonderful sense of humor. The, the Holy Spirit and I crack each other up all the time when I am talking to him. And I, I don't have to go into a bar and get drunk, uh, go into rehab, have sex outside of marriage, uh, try drugs, this, that, and the other to have fun and explore and be in sin. God's kept me from all that by relationship with him. And sin just, I, get back on track, Sherry. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. If anyone has the, the concept, the the whatever of Christians should be boring or have a boring life and they're not supposed to have any fun. Uh, that's just plain wrong. God wants us to have life and more and life more abundantly. We to, we are to go out and have fun. Not as the world has fun. Not, not as, as Satan thinks we're to, to have fun by killing, stealing and destroying. But we're to have a very abundant, satisfactory life. And on top of that, God wants us to have abundant joy. And our joy is in Him. And He, he wants us to have joy and peace. And, oh gosh, the, the list goes on. But um, the Christian's life is not supposed to be boring or dull or uh, not to have fun and uh, I wish I could I'd say it better, but uh, if, if any of you wants a really good in-depth uh, teaching on the gospel, on our website, and Dave's mentioned uh, our website uh, tonight a couple times, lighthousediscipleship.org, we have free Bible classes. One of the Bible classes is one of my all-time favorites. It's by Greg Fritz, who's a minister. He has his own ministry. It's entitled Good News, and he explains the gospel fantastic. And he goes into depth, and he explains things very, very well. Um, I have listened to it, I don't know how many times, because I took the class a while ago, but... And I went and listened to every class when I was taking the class over and over and over and over again. It was so good. But even now, I'm still doing other classes, but I will constantly go back and hear the gospel myself, even though I'm a Christian. Even though I'm a born-again believer, I've been for years, I will go back and hear the good news again because he explains it so phenomenally well. And it will it'll set a fire under you if you want a gospel fire under you. Well, we're out of time for tonight, but I just want to say real quick, you know, we're going to be starting chapter 13 next week, and uh, we're going to be continuing on this thought of prayer. Um, I know it seems like we've been bashing prayer, but we're not. We're actually uh, promoting it. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, but we're in its right context and the right way to do it. So... 
But um, and but we're also going to be continuing to talk about prayer and its relation to how do we win the loss? Because the next chapter is all about how to pray for the loss. There is a right way to pray, and we're going to be talking about the right way to pray for the loss. And then chapter fourteen, the next the chapter after that, we're going to be talking about how does revival come. So we're going to be talking more about prayer for the loss and more about revival in this right context. We're not done with this topic, and we're going to pick up where we left off. We're going to be talking about all these things in relation to our believers' authority. So God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday, Sunday morning. Uh, I'll be continuing my message on uh, the four prayers of Paul. Paul didn't just pray four prayers, but the four prayers I'm talking about in this teaching. I'll be talking about the second prayer of my series in part three of this series on Sunday. We'll start live streaming at 11.15 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. God bless you guys. Have a great week.